0: If you have your bibles i want to invite you to grab them we're gonna look at some selected passages today various scriptures i hope you'll be ready to turn in your bibles that you have a journal you're taking notes with following along we are continuing in our series called the kingdom project and so far we have talked about what the kingdom is we've defined it as the rule and reign of god in our life and there is an already not yet element to this. When we trust in Jesus, uh, we begin to live under his rule and reign as citizens of the kingdom. And we are living uh, for the future kingdom to come, where we will live under his rule and reign uh, forever and ever. We have talked about why seeking the kingdom of God is uh, important and should be the priority of our life. Matthew 6.33 said, seek first. Uh, The kingdom of God. We've talked about having a kingdom heart, and we looked at the Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount, and we talked about why it's so important that we foster a kingdom heart, because that kingdom heart is ultimately what will produce a kingdom life. And then last week, we came back, and we talked about bringing people into the kingdom and the importance of making sure that we're sharing this good news that has changed our life. The direction we're headed this week and the title of the message today is what I'm calling Kingdom Conflict. I wanna say up front to everyone who is listening or watching online and you've been following this series, I wanna issue a little bit of a warning, if you will. Have you ever seen those commercials that come on, A new medicine is hitting the market, and they begin to tell you about this new medicine and then a narrator comes over the screen or you see fine print at the bottom of the TV and essentially what it says is don't take. If you have this or that, it begins to list out, don't mix this medicine with those things or it begins to tell you side effects of this medicine. This may cause And it just gives you this exhaustive list of what this medicine may cause. Always watch these commercials and I think, man, I'd rather chance it and just live with what I got uh, than take this. Well, uh, let me give you the warning. Let me give you the fine print, if you will, that comes along with being a citizen of the kingdom of God. The warning is this that if you live the kingdom life, as we've talked about in this series, where the priority of your life is seeking the kingdom of God, if you live and foster a kingdom heart that will ultimately change the way that you live and you're committed to bringing people into the kingdom, and as we'll talk about next week, you work at discovering what your God-ordained, specific kingdom purpose of your life is. You live in this way, and just fair warning here, There is a kingdom of darkness that is going to come against you, and it is going to do everything it can to distract you, to discourage you, to discredit you, and ultimately, the goal of the kingdom of darkness is to disqualify you as being a member, an effective member of the kingdom of light, you get serious about advancing the kingdom of God, and you better get serious about engaging in some spiritual warfare because there are two rival kingdoms at play, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Now, two, three quick facts up front about this kingdom conflict that I just want you to make note of. Number one is this, we are in a real battle. I use this battle, this word battle intentionally, I use it strategically because the ultimate war has been won. The war for your soul, if you're a kingdom citizen, the war for this future kingdom, that was won at Calvary in the garden tomb, solidified when Jesus died for our sin and was raised from the dead. At the moment that you called on the name of the Lord, when you trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, God transferred you from being a member of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Paul puts it like this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So at the very moment that you trusted Jesus, that you became a citizen of the kingdom, it's a miracle, it's the divine new birth, the second birth, God transforms you in a moment from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And it's at that point that the real spiritual battles of life begin. And the enemy, who we'll talk more about here in just a moment, is going to work overtime to frustrate God's people, to thwart God's purposes, and to prevent God's kingdom from advancing. We are in a very real battle. E.M. Bounds, who was an author an attorney in mid to late 1800s, a Methodist clergyman, he wrote this. It cannot be said too often that the life of a Christian is warfare, an intense conflict, a lifelong contest. It is a battle fought against invisible foes who are ever alert in seeking to entrap, deceive, and ruin the souls of men. The Bible calls men to life, not a picnic or a holiday. It is no pastime or pleasure excursion. It entails effort and wrestling and struggling. It demands putting out the full energy of the spirit in order to frustrate the foe and come out at last more than a conqueror. It is no primrose path, no rose-scented flirting from start to finish. The Christian life, the kingdom life, is war. And listen, just because we can't see it, just because it's invisible... Doesn't mean this kingdom conflict is not taking place. Gravity is invisible, but you, you climb to the top of our roof and jump off, you'll see it exist. All right, electricity is invisible, but you grab something with a running current, you'll see it's power. Right, this past week, Friday night, Saturday, you woke up, I don't know if you saw it in the news, but in Virginia, gas is invisible, but it blew up a home, nearly an entire neighborhood, So just because you can't see the spiritual battles that we are in, you better believe that it's taking place. Not only are we in a real battle, but we have a real enemy. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, the Bible teaches this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so these spiritual forces of evil, these rulers, these authorities in the kingdom of darkness, we know that they report to a fallen angel, the devil, who we call Satan, the adversary, He's known from the scripture, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, as the God of this age, little g. Ephesians chapter two, verse two, calls him the prince of the power of the air. He is the prince of darkness and he is over these forces that rule and reign in the kingdom of darkness. Satan is not a figment of our imagination. He's not some cartoon to take lightly. He's not a spirit like some ghost or goblin. He's not a force, but it's still, Satan is a real being. And according to John ten ten, he is out to still kill and destroy. We are in a real battle. We have a real enemy. And the third point about the kingdom conflict that we need to understand and wrap our minds around today is that we are a real target. Now, if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus in a personal way, you've never trusted in him for the forgiveness of your sins and trusted in him to make you right with God, you need to know that Satan's ultimate goal is to keep it that way, okay? He's gonna do everything he can to keep you blindfolded spiritually so that you cannot see. He's gonna do everything he can to keep your heart hard so that you don't hear his voice, so that you don't respond to what he's saying, uh, you're not a problem to him. You're, You're on his team, so to speak. Whether you're an active part or not, if you've never trusted in Christ, you've never become a citizen of the kingdom of light, you are, by nature, a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. And Satan... He wants to keep it that way. If you're here today, trust me, this is the last place He wants you. And Christians, let me just say the thrust of this message today is about prayer, and it's just a reminder for us that every single time we walk into this room, we need to be praying for those around us because we never know what's going on in their heart. We never know the spiritual battles that are being waged for their soul at this very moment. We're a real target. If you're saved, if you're a citizen of the kingdom, again, this is where the real battles start because Satan, think about it, if he can't get to God, what's the next best thing? Let's get to his prized creation. Let's get to the ones who, as we've said in this series, are a little bitter mixture of heaven and earth, created from the dust of the ground, but because God lives in us, we are his representatives, his ambassadors. And so for those of us who are bent on advancing his will, consumed with doing his work, moving his kingdom forward, you better believe that Satan and his Rulers and principalities that exist in the kingdom of darkness, they are going to work like crazy to confuse God's purposes and plans and to mess with God's people. It is kingdom conflict. And so what are we to do? We're in the middle of this. We're the targets. And so how do we live in this? How do we make sure we come out victorious? One word, prayer. Prayer. In Ephesians chapter six, we're given a picture of a soldier. It's that passage on the armor of God, and he has all of this armor on, and all of it is defensive arm, uh, weaponry, so to speak. And as Paul is listing out all of this weaponry, we get to the very end of this passage and he gives us two offensive weapons, if you will. One is the word of God, that's verse 17. He calls it the sword of the Lord. And then he continues this train of thought in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6. And he says, "It's prayer, which is both an offensive and defensive weapon that God has given us at our disposal." Ephesians 6:18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Literally translated, this is prayer upon prayer. Now, the beauty of this weapon called prayer is that we're never out of ammo as long as we're breathing. We've got this weapon to our side. I liken the word of God to a rifle. I mean, it's a direct approach, okay? That's why it's the sword of the Lord. That's why in my messages, I'm always quoting from the scripture because this is the scalpel. This does the work. It gets to the heart. It cuts to the chase. But prayer, it's like a grenade. You can pull the pin and launch it from anywhere. And this is what prayer is you want to get rid of Satan, you want to fight and win, you want to say no to temptation and yes to God, you want to advance the kingdom, pray. Pray consistently. Pray continually. Pray at all times. That's what the scripture says, never a bad time to pray. This is what Paul mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 as praying without ceasing. He says we're to pray in the Spirit, which alludes to the fact that we're walking in the Spirit, living a life of obedience to the Lord so that we know what to pray. And then he says pray with all prayer. Commentator David Guzik said this, the the idea is all kinds of prayer or prayer upon prayer, how it's literally translated, verse 18, we should use every kind of prayer we can think of. Group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer. Shouting prayer, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, eloquent prayer, groaning prayer, constant prayer, fervent prayer. Just pray. When it comes to kingdom conflict and how we handle it, there is only one must. And that one must is prayer. And don't you think for a second that the devil isn't aware of the power of prayer. Don't think for a moment that Satan is not aware of what happens when kingdom citizens pray. Why else do you think it's so hard to pray? Because he will work overtime to prevent you from doing the one thing that you have to do in kingdom conflict. When I was working with college and young singles years ago, I would always tell them that they are on the drug of LSB. Not LSD, LSB. Laziness, selfishness, and busyness. And when it comes to our prayer life, think about the reasons that we don't pray. You can funnel them through LSB. Laziness, selfishness, busyness. Samuel Chadwickham. Methodist pastor in the early 1900s said this, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Prayer does a number of things for us as it relates to kingdom conflict. First of all, prayer helps us stay focused. This is why it's so important because it helps us stay focused. Let me begin by defining prayer for those of you that are looking for a definition. I've, I've always defined prayer taught by a seminary professor of mine as relationship. That's what prayer is, it's relationship. And the same way you carry on a relationship with someone is the way that you carry on a relationship with the Lord. It's more than just conversation, it's communion with God. Yes, you speak to the Lord, you're spending time with him, and you're conversing with him, sharing with him, your needs and your hurts and your frustrations and what's going on in your life. That's a part of prayer, but it's also allowing God to speak to you. And so he speaks to us, we know, by his word and through his spirit. Prayer was a huge part of Jesus's life. I mean, you read the life of Jesus. If he's our ultimate example, he taught us a number of different times how to pray, but he modeled it for us. I mean, you look at the life of Jesus. Before any major decision Jesus ever made, he always took time to pray. Before he began his earthly ministry, 40 days of prayer and fasting. Before he called his 12 disciples to himself, the ones who would know him the most and that he would invest three years of his life in, he spent all night in prayer, the Bible tells us. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that he would be betrayed and arrested and handed over to the authorities, What did he do? He took his inner circle into the garden so that he could pray. It wasn't just the big moments, though. When I was writing my book, The Mountains Are Calling, I was looking at various mountaintops in Scripture, chapters that I could write on. One of the chapters that I chose to write on, we called it Mount Desolate. Because you read Luke's Gospel specifically, And he would say over and over and over again, a regular routine of Jesus' life was he would go to a desolate mountain to pray, to spend time with his Father. The prayer life of Jesus was so intriguing to his disciples that they at one time saw him praying and come up to him and say, teach us to pray. Look at Luke chapter 11, it'll be on the screen for you, verses one and two. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples. I mean, they'd been following Jesus. They'd seen his prayer life in an up-close-and-personal way. And there was something about it. Teach us to pray. We want what you have. What's the secret? Now, keep in mind, these are Jewish men. They, they've been praying all of their life. But there was something different about Jesus' prayer life. Teach us to pray. And Jesus said to them, verse 2, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom Come. We know this is the Lord's Prayer, the Sermon on the Mount, which is the ethics, the ethics of the kingdom life. He teaches this Lord's Prayer there. And just listen to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. He, he has a whole teaching on prayer. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Notice how many times he mentions the word Father here. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not empty up empty phrases. Uh, Don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice how this Lord's Prayer begins. It's all about focus. It's all about perspective. Our Father in heaven, every word matters. Father, it, it was, it was, this was revolutionary that Jesus was teaching this crowd that they could refer to God as Father. They saw him as a distant deity. He wasn't uh, caring about the affairs of their life. He wasn't interested in the details of their life. And Jesus says, that's just not the case. He is a a father to you. But look at this. He's in heaven, meaning he's distinct. He's different. He's up there. You're down here. Hallowed be your name. Darrell mentioned it earlier as we started the service. That's respect. That's honor. That's consecration. That's saying, Lord, I... I fear you in a, in a reverence kind of way. You're worthy. Again, separate, distinct. And then your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that begs a question, how is God's will done in heaven? It's done immediately. It's done perfectly. And it's done completely. And so when we pray, God, Your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying. We want what you want, God. See, prayer helps us stay focused and remember what is most important, and that is God and his agenda for our lives. What's most important is his will being done, not my will being done, What's most important is praying, God, your kingdom come, your rule and reign in my life, everywhere I go today, that's what I want more than anything else. And so prayer more than anything in this kingdom conflict helps us stay focused on what is most important. Think about the essence of sin. The essence of sin is removing God from the center and putting self there. Well, the Lord's prayer is making sure God remains in his proper place. God, it is all about you. It is all about your will. Not me getting on, not you getting on my agenda, but making sure that I'm working your agenda, fulfilling your purposes. Could it be you're not as focused on the kingdom as you should be? Because you're not praying as Jesus taught? Maybe another way to ask this is, Gauge your prayer life. Just do a cursory, looking back at your prayer life lately. Is it more about God and his kingdom? And his will? Or is it more about, is it more self-directed? Now needs, Jesus told us to pray for our needs. I'm not saying they're not important. Because in the Lord's prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It's provision. Deliver us from evil. That's protection. I'm not saying Jesus doesn't say to not pray about your needs, but the, the thrust of the Lord's prayer is your kingdom come, not my kingdom come. This is kingdom praying. And prayer helps us stay focused and centered on what God Wants most the advancement of his kingdom on earth. His kingdom will never be a priority to us if we are not praying. There's too many other things that vie for our allegiance and our affections and our attention, and it's prayer when we engage in the Lord that helps us stay focused in the middle of kingdom. Conflict Secondly Prayer helps us stay fighting If the beginning of the Lord's prayer Has to do with focus and perspective The end has to do with protection Matthew chapter 6 verse 13 And lead us not into temptation But deliver us from evil Prayer is what keeps us in the fight it's what allows us. Prayer is what allows us not to let our guard down. Again, we are in real battles. We have a real enemy. We are a real target. Do you remember that scene in the garden when Jesus, after the Lord's Supper, after he instituted the Lord's Supper with his disciples, he walks them to the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Bible says that he takes Peter, James, and John, his three closest disciples, and he brings them into the garden. He says, will you watch with me and just pray? Pray. I need you right now. And that word watch is this idea of staying up, staying alert in prayer. And on three different occasions, Jesus comes back to them. And what are they doing? Snoozing. In fact, Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, watch and pray. Look at this. Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The disciples were tired. And the answer, according to Jesus, to fighting the enemy and to temptation, the answer was, watch and pray. Prayer helps us stay engaged and in the fight. I preached a message years ago called Warfare Prayer. And I made a statement in that message that I bring to you today. I simply said this, the quality of our prayer life will be determined by the awareness of the war. In other words, if God, in his grace, was to this morning just pull back the curtain, And allow us to see the invisible forces at work. I mean right now. Right now. The enemy's working to to get you to tune out. To distract you by your phone, whatever it may be. There are some of you who are in here, you're not a believer. You're not a citizen of the kingdom. And the forces of evil, if we could just see the invisible forces at work right now. Those that are at work trying to ruin your fidelity, trying to to ruin your faithfulness, trying to ruin your family. And if we could see it, I guarantee you, your prayer life would ramp up really, really fast. The quality of your prayer life will be determined by the awareness of you being at war. And if we could see with spiritual eyes what was taking place right now, our prayer life would increase. And here's the thing, prayer is what opens our spiritual eyes to see the war that no one else sees. Prayer is what gives us wisdom and discernment to know when we're being tempted or led down a path that could lead to destruction. Prayer is what helps us put on the armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, Put on, it's a volitional decision. Nobody else can do it for you. You have to put it on. How do you put on the armor of God? You do it through prayer every day, waking up. God, I put on the helmet of salvation. God, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. God, I take up the shield of faith. I put on the belt of truth. I put on the shoes and fit it in readiness to share the gospel. It's through prayer that you put on the armor of God. Prayer is what allows us to foster a a heart for the kingdom and enables us to live under the rule and reign of Christ. Prayer is what helps us more than anything bring people into the kingdom. Prayer is what we just mentioned keeps us centered and focused on what is most important. And prayer is what gets us the resources that God wants to Give us as we fight to advance the kingdom. John Piper in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, listen to what he said about prayer. He said, prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. God has given us prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so we can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of God advances in this world. God has given us prayer, not just so that we fight, but that we fight well. And I remind you today, we don't fight for victory. We fight from a place of victory. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have strength in Christ. And praying helps us advance against the enemy. Again, it's like a a grenade that you pull the pin to, and you can do all sorts of damage, calling on God. And let me say this, when you combine fasting and prayer, that's when it goes nuclear, okay? Fasting and prayer is like spiritual Hiroshima. That's what fasting and prayer is. John Wesley said, prayer is where the action is. And he's right. There was a man by the name of O. Halsby. He was a Norwegian priest and theologian during World War II. He was imprisoned in a concentration camp for two years because of his resistance and speaking against the Nazi regime. He wrote a book on prayer that was required reading in my master's level missions classes that I took. And listen to what he wrote regarding prayer. The secret prayer chamber is a bloody battleground. Here, Violent and decisive battles are fought out. Here the fate for the souls for time and eternity is determined in quietude and in solitude. Does your prayer life sound like a bloody battleground? So convicting to me. But it's true, some battles will only be fought in one on the bloody battleground called prayer. The salvation of souls one in prayer. Spiritual growth, growing into maturity spiritually, that's one through prayer. A godly marriage that can be an example to those around you, prayer. Loosening of addictions, that's a bloody battleground called prayer the direction of our country fought and won in prayer. I just wanna call on us to be men and women, to be a church of prayer. One of the reasons we started our first Saturday prayer, which is the first Saturday of every month, eight o'clock to nine o'clock in our chapel, anybody can come, and that's all we do is prayer upon prayer, no program, We get in there and we pray, we pray individually, we pray in groups, we pray out loud, we pray silently. And all of you are invited. And we want that first Saturday of the month to be a tithe to the Lord for the month, for our church. And we wanna win battles in prayer. The quality of your prayer life will be determined by the awareness of the war going on around us and it's the prayer that is our divine protection that allows us to stay fighting and by the way, The reason this is so important is because you can never let your guard down. Never. I was just speaking at a men's conference in West Monroe, Louisiana yesterday morning, and the subject was David and Bathsheba. And do you realize that David was around 50 years old at the time he fell to Bathsheba? He wasn't a young man. He had won all these victories and all these battles. Oftentimes we think it's when we're discouraged, when we're down, when we're depressed. That's when temptation comes. But for David, it came when he was at the top of the mountain. You can never let your guard down. And this leads to the third and final point I wanna make about prayer. Prayer helps us stay focused, it helps us stay fighting. Third and finally, prayer helps us stay faithful. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is John 15. I love it because Whenever Jesus wanted to make a point, he would repeat himself. A lot, a lot of this had to do with the language of the day, but we see in scripture oftentimes where Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you. You know, It's like calling you by your first and middle name. He wants to get your attention. Whenever he was emphasizing a point, you'll see repetition in scripture like we just read in Matthew chapter six, this whole idea of father, father, father. Jesus is making a point. Well, in John 15, In the first 11 verses, he uses the word abide or remain nine different times. Stay connected to me. Abide in me. Remain in me. And that's what prayer does. It helps us stay connected to God. When we are connected, we have power. It's just like your cell phone. You unplug it from its power source, it will not text. It will not answer. It will not allow you to check social media. It is out of power. It's got to be powered up. And that's prayer. The way that we stay connected to God, the way that we abide and remain in him is through prayer. And Jesus says when we abide in him, you read it, John chapter 15, when you remain in him, Verse 5 says, we'll bear much fruit. And verse 8 says, it'll be proof that you're my disciples. Proof. You're here today and you say, prove to me. I want proof that you're a disciple. The only way to prove it is through perseverance. It's called the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. That in the end, those who are truly saved will be saved. And people who pray are people who persevere. If you want to stay faithful to the end, advancing the kingdom of God to your last breath, even in the midst of suffering, it will only happen if you pray. I want to conclude our time the same way I started it. With a warning that we understand and wrap our minds around. There is a kingdom of darkness that opposes everything that we as citizens of the kingdom of light are about. Quote E.M. Bounds, it cannot be said too often that the life of a Christian is warfare, an intense conflict, a lifelong contest, lifelong contest. It is a battle fought against invisible foes who are ever alert and seeking to trap, deceive, and ruin the souls of men. The Bible calls men and women to life, not a picnic or a holiday. It is no pastime or pleasure excursion. It entails effort, wrestling, and struggling. It demands putting out the full energy of the spirit in order to frustrate the foe and come out at last more than a conqueror. It is no primrose path, no roasting and flirting. From start to finish it is war. Kingdom conflict. It is a given. And the way that we move forward amidst the battles that we face every single day is to show up and report for duty. You report to your commanding officer, King Jesus. You say, here I am every single day. You get his instruction through the word of God and through prayer. We get God's help to stay focused, stay fighting, and stay faithful. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you to connect with us, just go to ChampionForce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.